Well, we're glad to have you in this Easter service. If you'll take your Bibles and let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 28. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 28. History is full of great events. In fact, I was kind of a weird kid back when I was in school. I loved history. I really did. One of my favorite teachers was my seventh grade history teacher, a man by the name of Mr. Peacock. Mr. Peacock, he was a, he was a Christian, and he didn't mind telling you he was. But he was a great uh, history buff and a great history teacher. He was one that could really make history come alive. And I, I loved uh, sitting in on history class. But most folks that only studied history in order to graduate, you know, they'd had the choice, they wouldn't have taken that. But one purpose for having us study history was so that we could come to know many of the great historical events of the past that have a lot to do with where we got to where we are today and uh, affect our lives in, in other ways also. Every year on Easter Sunday, we celebrate the greatest of all historical events. And let's, let's read here in Matthew 28, verse number 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. A great historical event, the greatest historical event of all times. Nothing has ever happened that is more important than the event that was first revealed by the angel here in Matthew 28 and verse number 6. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. That's a, that's a, a full sentence. Amen. Jesus had said that this time was going to come. He predicted that he was going to die and that his death was actually his, he was going to lay his life down for our sin. But he said, hey, look, in three days, I'm going to take it back up again. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. And that proved that he was, in fact, who he indeed said he was, and that is, he is God in the flesh. He had the power because he is God. Now, why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ great, uh, uh, history's greatest event? First of all, I want you to see, because it involved the greatest person who ever walked the face of this earth, 
And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We could talk about great people uh, since the beginning of time. And there are a lot of folks who have had their name in lights, a lot of folks who have been talked about, a lot of folks who uh, did a lot of things, a lot of people that did some important things. But no one can match the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as far as his personhood. He is the greatest person who ever walked. Take your Bible and turn, flip back with me to uh, Matthew chapter number 16 for just a moment. Matthew chapter number 16. And this was when Jesus was questioning his disciples about uh, what people were saying about him. It's not that he didn't know, but he was, uh, he was I believe, uh, doing this so this would be recorded. Amen. Jesus knew everything. He knows the, the beginning and the end because he is the beginning and the end. But in verse number uh, 13, look at Matthew 16, verse number 13, it says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah's, or one of the prophets. Now those are some great things that those folks were thinking about. But sadly, it wasn't great enough. Jesus is the Christ. He's, he's better than just any prophet. Look at verse number um, 15. He, says, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Then we get this great statement from Simon Peter. It says here, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Peter was speaking uh, what the Father wanted him to speak. And that is that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. A couple of different things here. Jesus is the Christ. That means he is the promised Messiah. The word Messiah of the Old Testament, of the Hebrew, is the same as the word Christ in the New Testament. And Jesus is that promised Messiah. He is the seed of the woman that was spoken of by the Lord in Genesis 3, 15, way back in the Garden of Eden, and that he would bruise the head of the serpent. And he came and he did. He did that on, on Mount Calvary. And he is also the son of righteousness that Malachi 4 in verse number 2 said would arise with healing in his wings to, who, to those who fear the name of the Lord. And all throughout the Old Testament, the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is pictured and typified and prophesied. Some folks say, well, you know, preacher, I don't deal much with the Old Testament. I love the New Testament because it's about Jesus. Well, let me let you in on something. The whole book's about him. The, the Old Testament is about Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The New Testament, Jesus is here and he's coming again. Amen. And he is coming again. And uh, we're, we're looking for his coming. But listen, he, he came just like the prophets prophesied that he would come that very first time. And so Jesus is the Christ and that means that he is the anointed one. Listen, that's what Christ means. That's what Messiah means. Anointed one. The anointed one. And, and we see that as Jesus claimed to be the anointed one in Luke chapter 4. I'm not going to have you turn there. But in Luke chapter 4, early on in Jesus' ministry, in verses 18 through 22 there, 
uh, Jesus goes to the synagogue in his hometown, and he is given the, the, the book of Isaiah to read, and he reads from Isaiah chapter number 61, verses 1 and 2. And that is the part of the scripture that says this. It said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Now he reads more than that. He said, He hath sent me to bind up the, the, uh, um, bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are uh, bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he stopped reading at that point. The reason why he stopped reading is that point because that's what he came to do the first time that he came. There's still some that uh, to be read there that has to do with the second coming. But what we see is, is that Jesus claimed to be the anointed one. When he closed the book, he said, uh, this day this is fulfilled in your ears. This day. What was he saying? He said, I'm this, this anointed one. This was prophesied by Isaiah many years ago, but I am the one that has come to fulfill this. And he did fulfill that. Uh, look at uh, John's Gospel, chapter number 11. John's Gospel, chapter number 11. <clears throat> I got ahead of myself a little bit. We're going to be in John 11, but look at John 6 first. John 6. I want to look at what uh, Peter had to say here. Again, Peter uh, these words come out of his mouth, and uh, there's some disciples here that uh, leave Christ, many disciples that left Christ, and Christ turns to them and said, uh, what about you? Y'all going to go away too? He said that to the twelve. And, and in Luke, um, excuse me, in John chapter number 6, verse number 68, then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And notice this, he says, And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ. You're, that, you're the Messiah, you're the anointed one, the Son of the living God. And so, again, we see a loaded statement about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Son of the living God. Look at uh, John's Gospel, chapter number 11, verse number 23. And this has to do with the resurrection of Lazarus. Uh, and the Lord's, we see the Lord's conversation with Martha, which is Lazarus' sister. And in verse number 23, uh, Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, Yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Notice verse 27. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. So Jesus, not only the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, but he's the, the Son of the living God. Look with me at the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ in, in Mark's Gospel, chapter number 14. Mark's Gospel, chapter number 14. In Mark 14, we'll begin reading here with verse number 60, as Jesus is brought before the high priest, and this is before he was led to Calvary. Here in Mark, chapter number 14, look at verse number 60. It says, And the high priest stood up in the midst of, 
and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? And he held his peace and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need had we what need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. He didn't speak any lie there. He was exactly who he said he was. He was exactly who uh, the high priest uh, had asked him who he was. He is uh, the Christ, the Son of the Blessed. We know also that at the uh, at the cross scene where Jesus is uh, crucified there on the, on the cross of Mount Calvary, Matthew twenty seven verse fifty four uh, records uh, the centurion and the soldiers that were with him. It says in Matthew 27, verse 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. There's many indications that Jesus was who he said that he is. And he is who he said he is. I mean, he still is because he arose from the grave. So why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ history's greatest event? Because it involved the greatest person who ever walked the face of the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, because apart from the resurrection, the other great events involving Christ are meaningless. Everything else is meaningless without the resurrection. It doesn't mean anything. There's no doubt that Jesus was a part of some other great events of history, right? Think about the Incarnation. Christmas every year, we, we talk about the Incarnation and how miraculous it was for him to be born of a virgin. And he was born of a virgin. Uh, man had nothing to do with it. God's the one put him in the womb. Amen? And the Incarnation was a great event. The Incarnation was when God became flesh. John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's my Jesus. Joseph was told by the angel in Matthew 1, 21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. However, listen, apart from the resurrection, the incarnation would have been in vain because our salvation could not be accomplished by someone who is dead. He, he, and he lives. Amen. We sang the song as we began the service. He lives because he still lives. Amen. He, 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 yes, he died. And he was buried. But on that third day, just like he said he was going to do, he came up out of the grave. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life comes through him. But he could not give eternal life if he could not take up his own life. Amen. How could he give us life if he, if he could not do what he said he was going to do and come up out of the grave? But he did. The incarnation of Jesus was a great event. The, the life of Jesus was one continuing great event. Think about living in the time when Jesus walked and where Jesus walked and being able to see the great things that would happen. Uh, well, the Apostle John 
that we've been uh, studying uh, on our Sunday mornings. We're in a series on the on the uh, Gospel of John, and we'll pick back up after this week there. But in John 20, and verse number 30, it says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. The, the reason for the miracles was to point to the fact that Jesus did have the power of God. He was the power of God. Apart from the miracle of the resurrection, all the other miracles would have been in vain, ultimately. That's because apart from the resurrection, there could be no life through his name. It took the resurrection to bring forth life. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the Apostle Paul does very clearly and very detailed with the fact of the necessity of the resurrection. The resurrection was a necessary event. And if you do, you, you pull away the resurrection, you don't have Christianity anymore. You've got a religion, but you've got a dead religion, just like the other dead religions that are in this world. But we have a living Christ who arose again. The miracles of Jesus were great. The teachings of Jesus were great. I mean, even all the way back to when he was a child. And Luke chapter number 2 and verse 47 says, And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. He's just a boy. Got left behind in the temple by his parents. And they come back and they find he's been in there talking to the, the folks uh, in, in, the, in, in the temple. And uh, they were listening to him. And they were astonished at what they heard. Luke 4.32 says, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. That was from uh, early on in his ministry. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 7, verse 28 and 29. The people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. But listen, of all the teachings that we study in the Word of God, read about in the Word of God, know about from the Word of God, all the teachings would have lost their power and authority had he remained in the grave. Had he, if he's still in there, which he's not, it's all for naught. The example of Jesus was also great. In fact, the Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter 2.21, For even here and two were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Listen, we know that no one ever lived as Christ lived. What a wonderful example. There's no person that lived a truly sinless life. We are all sinners. The Bible is very clear for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Only the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who was born of a virgin, he did not have the taint of Adam in his blood. He's the only one that ever did live and ever could live a perfectly sinless life. But listen to me. What good does being such a great example do if you just wind up dead and in the grave at the end? What did Jesus' example get him, you know, if, he, if he's still in the grave? You know, why bother living according to a, a, his example? But listen, apart from the resurrection, 
All it did was cut his life short. But we know that he, it did not cut his life short. He came alive again and showed himself alive. The crucifixion was a great event. And understand, the crucifixion is necessary for our salvation. Christ told his disciples that his crucifixion was coming. Christ came to die for our sin. He came to be that one sacrifice that was needed. We needed a sinless sacrifice. He came to be that for us. And Hebrews 9 verse 22 says, Without shedding of blood is no remission. His blood had to be shed. Necessary. I know there are a lot of folks that don't like a bloody religion. But blood was necessary in order that we might have that sacrifice cover our sin. Most all of us know the details of Christ's betrayal and his arrest, as well as his trial and sentence to death by crucifixion. We've read, heard and read about uh, in the Bible of the wonders that surrounded his crucifixion. Uh, let me encourage you, sometime today, sit down with your Bible and read from Matthew 26 through Matthew 28. And, and follow Jesus along the way. Amen. You need, need, to, need to read that. You need to come uh, and focus on that uh, from time to time. I mean, there was darkness from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. I want you to think about that. Darkness from 12 to 3. That's the sixth hour is 12, 12 noon. And the ninth hour would be 3 o'clock. Three hours of darkness. The veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom to show it wasn't rent by man. Man would rip it from bottom to top. But the Lord rent the, temp the veil of the temple. The earthquake and the breaking of the rocks, the opening of graves, the sayings of Christ from the cross. There are seven times that Jesus spoke from the cross. We can read all about those things in Scripture. However, apart from the resurrection, his death would have been in vain. His death could not have saved anybody. What good is a dead Savior to anyone? No good. But we serve a living Savior. He's in the world today. And know that He's living, whatever men may say. Amen. That's why we sang the song, He Lives. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 20. Paul writes here, he says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept? For since by man came death, talking about Adam, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, as speaking of Christ. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. The question is, are you in Christ? And in order to be made alive, you must be in Christ. Because it's in Christ that all would be made alive. Why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ history's greatest event? Well, got the greatest person who ever walked the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of, apart from the resurrection, the other great events are meaningless. But last of all, I want you to see, because the resurrection is an integral part of the greatest message ever told, and that's the gospel. See, the gospel includes three parts. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul gives us the essentials of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 3. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, 
and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, why does he say according to the Scriptures? Because the Old Testament shows that it was going to happen. It was going to happen, and it did happen. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Romans 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. And that saddens us until we realize the latter part of that verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, you've got life. If uh, the wages of sin is death, yeah, we all partook in that. Uh, but well, listen, we, 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 had, we came into this world condemned to die. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You're already condemned. When you, when you were born in this world, you, you were born with sin. You were born needing to be transformed. But Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. It says, and that he was buried. Listen to me. He did not faint on the cross. He did not swoon. He died and was buried just as he said he would be. When you read the accounts of all that they did to the Lord Jesus Christ, nobody, nobody could live through that. And listen, crucifixion was designed for people to die. Not only for people to die, but for people to die slowly, agonizingly, and completely. And Jesus died that death on the cross of Calvary. But he was in that sealed tomb for three days. Now, I hate to bust your bubble about Good Friday. But Christ did not die on Good Friday. He died on a Wednesday. And I know you, you may doubt that. But listen, you can't get three days and three nights. Jesus said, I will be in the, I'll be in the grave for three days and three nights just like uh, Jonas was in the belly of the well. He said three days and three nights. You can't get three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday morning. Any way you slice it, it's not going to happen. He died. He was sealed in the tomb. And then, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Listen, Scripture predicted his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The gospel, the good news is that Christ died for your sin just as God planned. God had a plan for you. God has a plan for you to live eternally with Him. But that plan includes Jesus. And if you exclude Jesus out of your life, if you do not embrace His death, burial, and resurrection on your account, listen, you will hopelessly die in your sin and forever you'll be separated from God. That's not my opinion. That is Bible. Praise God, though, he lives. He was buried for three days, just as he predicted he would be. But praise God, he lives. In it. And because he lives, you can have his life, which is eternal life. Listen, there's no doubt the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event that this world has ever or will ever know. Now, there's some other coming great events that you need to know about. The Lord's fixing to return. When's He going to do that? Well, I can't set no date on that. But when you take a look at the things in the Scripture and you look at what's going on in our world, you say, mm, we've got to be close. How close? I can't tell you how close. But it could happen any time. It is what is known as an imminent event. It means it could happen at any moment. And the Lord is going to come back. 
He said he was going to die, be buried, and rise again. He did that. He also said, I will come again. And he's going to do that too. He does what he says he's going to do. He's about to come. And one of the great events, I don't want you to miss out on it, one of the great events is for, for believers is called the rapture. He said that, that word is not in Scripture. The word may not be there, but the, the reality of what that word means, we're going to be snatched out of this place. We're going, to be, we're going to be caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's going to happen. But then there's going to be a, another great event but it's great in a bad way. Great tribulation is going to come into this world. I know we're living in a time when it seems like things are getting worse and worse all the time. Just don't even like to turn on the news anymore. I don't know about you. But uh, I know it's magnified a lot, but there's a lot of bad things going on in the world. And not, not just here in the United States, but all across the world. And uh, can I tell you that that's just a drop in the bucket of how bad it's going to get after the believers are called out of here? Time coming called the tribulation period. It's going to be a time like no other. When you read about what the Bible has to say about the tribulation, coming tribulation, the day of the Lord, can I tell you that you don't want to be a part of that? The only escape from that is to run to Jesus. Cleave to Jesus, amen. Come to Jesus for salvation today. There's no doubt that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the greatest event. But, but listen, my friend, it won't do you any good unless you have the blood of Jesus applied to your life. You know, Passover, we, we talked about last Sunday night, talked about Passover and how that Passover when the, the uh, Israelites were, were redeemed out of bondage, Passover is all about Jesus. It's about Him. And uh, there, He was, uh, the, they would take the lamb and they would kill the lamb, and they would take that blood of that lamb and they had to, to put it on the doorpost. Just the killing of the lamb and the blood of the lamb being shed was not good enough. In order for them to be safe in the house, they had to have the blood applied. Had to have the blood applied. Listen, Christ's death will do you no good unless Jesus becomes your Savior. You apply the blood. Amen. You come by faith. How's the blood applied? By grace, through faith. For, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves this is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, verse number 8, 9. I wonder, have you believed on the risen Lord? Listen, Romans 1.4, Paul, he said that Jesus declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. In other words, Jesus proved everything he said about himself when he got up out of the grave. Believe it, my friend. Have you believed on this risen Lord? If not, you are still in your sin and under sin's condemnation. Come to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our risen Savior. We're glad that He's still uh, alive. He's alive evermore. 
And because He's alive evermore, those of us that have trusted in Him, Lord, we have everlasting life. We have eternal life. And we thank You for that truth. But Lord, You know the hearts of folks that are here. You know those that belong to You and those that don't. If there's somebody here today that has never saw themselves as a sinner, never saw their need of a Savior, how they cannot get to heaven on their own. There's not enough good works we can do, not enough churches you could join, not enough baptistries to be baptized in for anybody to make it to heaven. The only way is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, we must see that He is the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's somebody that has not seen that until today. Help them to come. Lord, embrace the salvation that's available in Jesus Christ and have the blood of Jesus applied to their account so that they can live as Jesus lives. Lord, have your way in this invitation time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.